deserve it. He came and he died for us because he loves us more than anything. Let's sing out. Let's praise our awesome God this morning. Thank you for the
you for our friends that came back safely from Ecuador and our friends still there. We ask that you will open our hearts to the message that Kim is going to give this morning and that our hearts and minds be with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Welcome. Aren't you glad to be here this holiday weekend? We're thanking God that you're here. You notice we've gone all wired this morning. The first service, uh, I think there's something new on the cell phone tower next door, and it sounded like, uh, like dial-up internet in here. So if you see all the wires, that's what's going on this morning. We'd like to welcome you to, uh, to our service this morning. Please pass the friendship folders down the aisle, and uh, we appreciate that. We want to thank you for praying. I want to thank you for praying. Uh, we've asked you to pray the summer with us, and uh, I know over 100 people have signed up to pray the summer. God has been working. Our June Jamboree was so well attended. There were several hundred people, and many people have been coming back to the church since then, and God is moving in many people's lives. And, and then uh, last week, we were in Ecuador, and I thank you for praying for us while we were in Ecuador. We had 26 people in Ecuador this time last Sunday. Our group was up at the Word of Life camp in Ecuador, up in the mountains of Quito, and they were running a, a camp. I was two hours away from them in the opposite direction, speaking in a church, and uh, Rhonda was with me, and, uh, and Lindsay, she was with us, and they actually got to lead a song in, in the church. They taught them one of our songs here, Oh You Bring, Then they had them sing along in Spanish. Their people put the Spanish words up, and it's just really exciting when you get to do some of that. So in the next few weeks, we'll come back and we'll share with you a lot more about the trip. But I want to thank you for what you've, what you've done in prayer because uh, God took our group. We were out there in, with, with literally hundreds of people and touching hundreds of lives. So thank you so much for your prayers this past week as we have returned safely and are getting back into the routine here. Uh, just a few announcements this week on Friday, July 8th. That's this Friday, if you can believe that already. This Friday, July 8th, we're going to have on, on our next movie out on the lawn. This is Woodlawn, and the movie will start somewhere 8.39, somewhere around dusk there. But uh, come up a little bit early. You can have some food from the concession stand out there. And it won't be the June Jamboree, but it will be a movie night. It'll be a great night. And so I want to encourage you to put the word out, invite a friend. And uh, this movie, Woodlawn, was actually at the theaters this time last summer. So I'd like to encourage you, bring a friend out and, uh, and just have a good time. Enjoy the movie on this Friday night, July 8th. And then the following Monday begins Vacation Bible School. Walk this way, Vacation Bible School. Sign up in the foyer if you can help bring a snack. If you'd like to help serve in any way, you'll see the Walk This Way table in the foyer. Please stop there. And, uh, and, there, there, and if you'd like to register your child or... Or if you'd like to get, just get more information in general, please stop by there. You can register online for your child. There's a, they'll, they'll direct you all that good stuff. But that's coming up this week, uh, a week from Monday. So, uh, so we have next Friday is the movie, and then Monday is the, is the next deal there with uh, Vacation Bible School. So we want to thank you for what God's doing. God has been working in the church. Amen? It's been great to see how God's been moving and touching people's lives. People are coming to Christ. God is moving and growing us in, uh, in new ways. And so we thank you for all that you're doing as, to be a part of that. As, uh, as I call our ushers forward this morning, I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward. I'd like to welcome all of our first-time guests here today. If, if you're a guest here today, 
please stop by our welcome center. We have a gift for you. I'd like to just welcome you to the church and give you any information that we can about our church. And, uh, and also, if you're our guest, as the offering comes your way, please uh, feel free to let that pass you by. For This is for those that are growing in the grace of giving on a regular basis here at the church. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? <clears throat> Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you for all that you're doing. God, thank you for the ways that you moved in Ecuador, Lord, uh, for our team. And we've just seen so many things. We've seen your hand move in mighty ways. And God, as we pull those things together and we'll share the, in the days that come with our, with our church, Lord, we're just so thankful for all that you've done. We're thankful for the way that you've moved mightily in, in the lives of those who traveled and in the lives of the people of Ecuador. God, now we come before you, and it's our joy to give to you. You have uh, you've blessed us. And we come back now, Lord, to bless you, to give to your name, to, to honor you and, and to support your work here, Lord, what you're doing in our community. And we know that as we, as we touch lives here, we're touching lives around the world, touching those lives in Ecuador, touching them everywhere. And through your church, Lord, you're doing a great work. And we thank you. And we count it a privilege to give to you this morning. Be with your people now, Lord, as they give and they worship you through giving. In your name we pray. Amen.
Check. There we go. Sorry. Again, the cell phone towers are wreaking havoc on all of our wireless, so we have to go back to these leashes, huh? There we go. All right. Uh, as we've been talking about the joyride, I'm thankful for Pastor Jim last week to lead lead our services and heard great things as he shared about the presence of God and shared about some some great things last week. And I want to encourage you as uh, we continue this morning on the joyride. You know, before we left for Ecuador, we were in Philippians chapter 2, and we talked about if you want to shine like the stars in heaven, you, uh, you don't complain. Because we looked at the humility of Christ, and then we said if you want to look like a child of God, you don't complain. You, you do life without grumbling, without murmuring, without complaining. And so, you know, that was a, kind of a timely message for us because as we got, we, we left here on uh, two, Monday morning, and we traveled all day. We get down there to Ecuador. It's like, you know, 11 o'clock. We're going through customs. By the time we get to the hotel and settle in, it's now 1.30 in the morning. And Daniel Gonzalez, our, our fearless leader from Ecuador, he says, Okay, brother, see you at 6 for breakfast. And we're looking at him like, you got to be kidding me. You know, we've just got in. It's, you know, we're going to have three and a half hours of sleep here. And, uh, and I have to tell you, our team, they got up. And they shined like the stars in the heaven. They got up and they served. They were tired, but they did not complain. At least not to me, all right? They did not complain. They were not grumbling. They were serving. And, I mean, you could just see the exhaustion in their face. So I just want to, uh, I just want to thank God for that because I, I see us growing as a church. People are growing in Christ. And, and to see, listen, for, for you to have very little hours of sleep and get up and go into those schools and do all that, uh, it was a long, long day, and no complaining. That's that's incredible. So anybody who was here, that's here that was on that trip, would you stand? I'd like to just thank you so much this morning. If you were on the trip to Ecuador, please stand. All right, let's give them a hand. We thank you. All right? We thank you for your service, all right? Thank you so much for your, your, your spiritual attitude. Listen, that, that really is a, that's a step of spiritual growth. When you can be tired, when you can do something that's not too exciting, um, under a little bit of sleep with, uh, with a joyful attitude. And boy, I'll tell you what, when you see the joy of the Lord, that's what, that's what we've been talking about is God's joy. How do we have God's joy in our life? Circumstances quite often are not too exciting. Most of the time, your circumstances are terrible. They're ugly. They're, they're miserable at times. But God says, you as a believer, you get to have joy. You can have joy when the world is falling apart. Uh, when your world is falling apart, you can still have joy, the joy that comes from the Lord. And it can only come from Him. So this morning, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, uh, chapter 2, verse 19. And we're going to look at how to have joy on your workplace. You know, I want you to think about in, at your job. You spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week at your, at your job. And if you're not joyful at your job, you have just thrown half your life away, right? A, a, a pretty good portion of your life is taken away because you're not joyful on the job. Now, I'm not saying that you have to enjoy your, what, what it is that you do, but to have joy on your job. Uh, you, may be, you may be in a job where you say, I can't wait to get out of this job. I can't wait for God to let me have a different job, right? That's okay. I'm not saying that you can't change jobs and that you won't change jobs, but I'm saying that at the job that God has provided for you today, 
you can have joy. And we're going to look at that based upon uh, the Apostle Paul. He, he gives us two examples of, of people who worked really hard, people who had joy in their work, and that's Timothy and a man named Epaphroditus. Um, Paul had a, a, a great team. Paul was uh, a leader used by God, and as he went out and he was used by God, uh, he had uh, many people that he served with. Some of the people that he served with was Barnabas, Luke, Silas, um, Lydia, Aquila, and Priscilla. There There were many people. He had a lot of hard workers. And this team of hard workers, they went out and they transformed the Gentile world in, uh, in about 20 years. And when you see that type of work happen, you have a hard-working team. Two of his workers, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, over in Acts 18, verses 2 and 3, it says that there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Here we see Aquila and Priscilla. Not only did they go out and do ministry with them, not only did they go out and preach with them on the weekends and evenings, but they were tent makers. And they made tents and they sold tents. And this was how that they provided for themselves, how they made a living and fueled their, minist- fueled their ministry, fueled their life, and were able to take care of themselves in the ministry. Uh, And then we see later on, we see that other churches began to give them gifts so that the Apostle Paul could do more ministry. But uh, uh, there was a point where he is a tent maker. And and, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, they are tent makers with him. And could you imagine working alongside of uh, the Apostle Paul? They're doing ministry, and uh, and they think that it's a, a joyful thing. I would like to tell you, maybe you think about that. Maybe you think, well, you know what? If I could just work with Christians, it would always be joyful, you know? Um, let me give you a little little bit, little secret here. You get to do that all in heaven, okay? You get to work with Christians in heaven for eternity. And, uh, and, and I get to work with Christians all the time. It's not always what it's cracked up to be, okay? Uh, so, listen, you... you just because we, you, you, we have this mentality that, boy, if I, if I were in a workplace, like if I worked at the church, it would be wonderful. Oh, no, no conflicts ever happen at church, you know. Oh, no, no conflicts ever happen amongst the staff. Listen, there, there, where there's people, there's friction. And so the Apostle Paul, he's hardworking, and he has a strong team. And these people are going out, and they're working for God. And so as we see this team that he's assembled, they've gone out, and they're a joyful team. But how do you have joy at work? We're going to look at six ways that you can have joy on your job. And uh, the first one uh, is, is to take a genuine interest in other people, to take an interest, all right? Look out for the interest of others. When we take a genuine interest, look what he says here about, about Timothy, Philippians 2.19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. I'm going to send Timothy because I want to hear what's happening over in Philippi. He's writing a letter to them. The letter's going to go, and then he says, I hope to send Timothy because I want to be encouraged by what's going on from you. Verse 20 says, I have no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. I have no one else like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Think about that. If you want, to, you want to be successful in your work, you want to have joy in your work, you be concerned about other people. You have a genuine concern for other people. That's what he says Timothy did here. 
Uh, verse 21 says, For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. There were many believers in Rome. He, he wanted to send many other people, but he says, Timothy's the only one I can find. Timothy is the guy, and he's going to send Epaphroditus as well. But he says, Timothy, he's not looking out for his own interests. He's not concerned about what's going on here. He's interested about what God's interests are in your life. He has an interest of, of God. He has God's interest in mind. He's looking out not only for himself. And isn't it interesting over in Philippians 1.21, Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. And here over in 2.21, he says, not many are, are, are not concerned about themselves, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Uh, which is it? It goes back and forth, doesn't it? I'm concerned about my interest or for me to live as Christ. I'm concerned about my interest or for me to live as Christ. Um, have you ever noticed that uh, in order to, to be focused, to, to come in and be genuinely concerned about other people, I've got to get the focus off myself, and I have to focus in on others. That's what Timothy did. Timothy came along, and notice he says there, but you know Timothy's proven worth. He was a son. Uh, he, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. The apostle Paul personally mentored him. And he says, listen, Timothy is all about others. Timothy cares about you. So I'm going to send him. I can't make it, but I'm sending Timothy because he is concerned about you. He is not focused on himself. He's focused on others. He, and here, here's how you do this. So how do we do this? I am no longer focused on myself. I am now focused on the interest of Christ. You become a manager of the interest of Jesus Christ. So when you go to work on uh, this week, when you go to work on Tuesday, and you're going to go into your office, you're going to go into your place uh, and do what it is that God's called you to do, and you have now got to become a manager of the interest of Jesus in your work, not a manager of your own interest. And you see, this is so different than how we're automatically programmed. We are programmed to think about us. We're programmed to think about how it feels for me, how comfortable it was, how did the day go for me. And what we need to do is become a manager of the interest of Jesus. <clears throat> it's, it's like going to the embassy. The embassy always has your interest in mind. So we were getting on the plane to come back to Ecuador, everybody rounding up their things. And, you know, it's the last call. We're at the end, zone three, you know. They give us the, the, the cheap seats from the back of the plane. And uh, so we're, we're, getting on, we're getting on the plane, and, and Hunter Curry, one of our young men, comes up to me and says, I don't have my passport. And I'm thinking, this is great, you know. Hunter doesn't have his passport, and we're going to go to America, and I guess I'll have to stay three extra days with Hunter, and I'll say bye to my wife and kids, and I'll get to stay an extra three days and go to the United States Embassy and get Hunter's passport straightened out. I knew I had a copy of it in my bag, and, and I said, well, you know, and so, of course, everybody's frantically looking, and, uh, but, but, you know, why would you go to the embassy? Because they have the American interest in mind. In every country, there's an American embassy because it has our interest. So you know that when there's trouble, you're in a foreign land, you go to the embassy, and they're going to help you because they have your interest in mind. 
And that's what we are to be. We're to manage, to become managers of the interest of Jesus. We're, we're like the ambassador over there. So as we started to board the plane, everybody's looking for Hunter's passport. I looked down in my hand, checked my own passport, and here it was Hunter Curry's passport in my hand. I don't know how it happened, but God put it in my hand. And, uh, and mine was actually in my pocket. So it gave us all a nice thought. But I was, I was prepared for three more days in meeting the, the embassy, you know, going to the embassy in Ecuador for the, the U.S. embassy. But, uh, you know, when you think about this, when, when you become a manager of the interest of Jesus in your job, God has a plan for you. And it's not, the, the, his plan is not to make you comfortable. It's not to make you feel good. And it's not even to make you rich. It's to make you a manager of the interest of Jesus. And so there may be something at your job right now, and, and somebody who needs Jesus on your job. It could be an employee that you've hired. It could be somebody that you manage. It could be a boss that you work for. And God has placed you there to, to manage the interest of Jesus. What is God doing? So the question to ask is this, is how does Jesus want to work in the lives of those around me? Now, I want to I I encourage you to think about that because this applies not only to your work. This can apply to your family. This can apply to serving in the church. You know, you sign up to come in to serve, and maybe it wasn't that wonderful an experience. Maybe it was hard, and typically it is hard when you sign up to serve. Uh, you come in, and, and you, you put in a full day's work or uh, an evening worth of work, or you're, you sat in a junior high room with, uh, with the junior hires. They said, here, you're going to lead junior hires. And, and, man, you couldn't even get a word in because they took over. They held you hostage. And, uh, you know, it's always challenging, right? But you've got to remember, you're there to manage not your comfort. You're not there to manage uh, your, your, your life. You're there to manage what Jesus' interest is. And he has an interest to use you. So how could God use you in, the, in, in, the, in your job, in, a serve, in, the, in your places of serving? <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, remember, he was a prisoner. He started out this letter in Philippians. The Apostle Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was in jail for, under house arrest for preaching. He is, he's now under arrest. He's got a chain going from his arm, and it's connected to a guard, and the guard changes every four hours. And he is saying, okay, um, I'm here to manage not my interest. And he's not begging for anybody to come and get him. He is managing Jesus' interest. And so God gave him a captive audience. And every four hours, there's a new soldier. And so what's he do? He strikes up a conversation. So who do you think Jesus is? And he starts talking to them. And, and think about your life. You go into your job, and there's people that, that maybe are challenging to you, and God's placed you there so that you can strike up that same conversation. So who do you think Jesus is? Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know that he died on the cross for you? Let me tell you how he transformed my life. And you begin to pray for those opportunities and you seek those opportunities. And many times we don't get those verbal opportunities until we've done the nonverbal opportunities. You see, there are nonverbal opportunities every day. Uh, God's placed uh, opportunities for us to serve in every way. And you can go to work and you can serve your boss. You can serve the people that you manage, you can serve employees that are in lateral. And as you begin to serve, 
you begin to prove like Timothy did. See, Timothy, the Apostle Paul says, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with as as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. He says, I, I want to send him. I it doesn't look like I'll be able to get there, but I'm going to send Timothy because he's proven. And how did he prove himself? Well, he learned from the best. He came and he learned from the best. And that's my next thought this morning is humble yourself and learn from others. You know, when we come and we learn from other people, uh, it is an is incredibly humbling experience, isn't it? Uh, you're on a job and somebody else may know how to do a, a certain thing maybe better than you. And, uh, and you have to swallow a little bit of pride and you say, okay, how did you do that? And you learn from somebody else. You see what happens? You become a better worker. You become a better employee. Uh, you cannot work selfishly and joyfully at the same time. So when I'm coming over here and I'm saying, okay, God's placed me here to work. I'm going to learn from somebody else. I'm learning from somebody else so that I can be a, a better employee, so I can be a better worker, so I can accomplish my job better. And the same is true in serving. The same is true in relationships. You can learn from everybody. I, one, of the, one of the great joys I have is getting around other leaders. I, I love to hear other pastors. Uh, the, there, were, there were many church planters that I was with in Ecuador. They have these small groups. They go into, into these towns, and I see that it's like, wow, it doesn't even look like a church. And God starts to work there. And there was two guys in particular that I had a lot of fellowship with. And, man, I love to pick their brain because I can learn from them. No, they're not in an American context. No, our church is bigger than theirs and this and that. But you know what? I can learn. You humble yourself and you say, okay, what is God doing here that, that I could learn from? And we grow. And as we do that, God changes you. You prepare yourself for what God wants to do in your life when you learn, when you learn from others. Now, think about Timothy. Timothy was, uh, his, his, over in 1 Timothy, talks about his grandmother and his mother were, were of the faith. And so they passed that on to Timothy. Timothy came to accept Christ as his Savior. But the Apostle Paul came along one day and said, let me teach you. Learn from me. Will you, uh, let me mentor you, another man to man, and mentor you in the faith. And so Timothy is now an understudy, and Timothy's learning and he's growing. But I will say from the day one, Timothy never thought that he would be the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He just started growing. He started following. He followed mentorship. And when, when, when Paul taught him about who Jesus was, he started to learn. And when Paul said, look, this is how you lead, he began to learn. He began to grow. And Timothy, we know a lot about Timothy. Um, as you look through the Bible about Timothy, what a great leader, a young leader that God used. And God did great and mighty things through his life. But when you, when you, uh, when, when you do that, you, uh, you're preparing for what God's going to do in your life by learning from other people. You prove yourself when you learn from other people. That's what Timothy did. Uh, but you know Timothy's proven worth. He proved himself. Uh, he learned and he lived that out. It was a lifestyle. And so when you go to work this week, are you living out what God's done in your life? 
Are you seeing the interest of God at your workplace? Are you learning from your boss? Your, your boss has hired you to do something, and maybe he sent you off for training. Are you taking this stuff seriously and becoming the best worker that you can be? Because when you go and do that, you're working for the Lord. And we've got to remember that. Um, the next thing we do is we improve.